0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market. Like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. I'm Chris Kuzmi,
0: And I'm Mary Izette. From Femeni. everybody,
2: you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn.
0: If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
1: Hello and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. This is your host, Greg Glaze. Today is our last episode of the summer season. It's been an amazing few weeks. We talked to different generations of cheesemakers and mongers, learned about mozzarella and Conte, and we learned about growing your cheesemaking business from Andy Hatch and growing your cheese retail business from Charlotte Cayman. We recapped some significant cheese events from the Cheesemonger Invitational to the American Cheese Society Conference to the announcement of the Daphne Zeppos Teaching Award. So on today's episode, I thought it'd be great to wrap up a great summer with Max McCallman, Cutting the Curd veteran and author of several iconic cheese books, including Mastering Cheese and his most recent Wine and Cheese Pairing Swatchbook. max has been a pioneer in so many facets of cheese education, from the restaurant to the classroom. How are you doing today, Max?
2: I'm doing great. You have a good radio voice, by the way. Uh, thank you. So do you. Yeah, thank you.
1: <laughs> so you were last on the show in January 2013 with Diane Stemple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what have you been up to since then?
2: Well, I um, separated from Artisanal, uh, the company that I'd been with, helped uh, shape uh, for two decades and uh, left that company. Uh, well, that's fairly recent. Uh, before that, I uh, I had been teaching. So uh, I was thinking about it on the way here is that um, the saying is that if you can't do it, you teach it. And uh, since I can't make cheese and Choose not to. I'll teach it.
1: You think it's more that you choose not to that you can't do it. Well,
2: right? I've I've i made cheese and it's just not it's not my thing. I think I can help the industry a lot better by uh, teaching it. Well, I was wondering if in in regards
1: to teaching uh, on a previous episode, you had mentioned that teaching people cheese was healthy and nutritious was the most important thing to you.
2: That's the takeaway. That's the takeaway. so Always, I- whenever I speak, give me a microphone. Cheese is a near perfect food.
1: Well, we've got like six microphones here. I can turn most of them towards you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, do you think that people have learned that lesson?
2: Uh, a little bit. I think that could be part of the reason why Americans are eating more cheese than ever before. And uh, Matt, it could be uh, one of the reasons why uh, the uh, industry is growing, growing globally, the appreciation, the connoisseurship. But I think we still have a long way to go, even with the industry itself. I think there are a lot of people that still look at cheese, though it's some sort of an indulgence. Like they really can't or shouldn 't, and they're like come on, it 's like how much cheese can you possibly eat? You know I eat cheese like there 's no tomorrow, and, and you know I, I have a hard time keeping my weight up uh, for <laughs> just for one 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 consideration
1: well if you if you if you take that and you think that people look at cheese as an indulgence and What's the key to get them to understand that it's a vital part of your of your diet and also of just the fabric of uh, food culture in America in general if we're not already there?
2: Well, uh, it's, you look at what, is, what the raw ingredients are, and the primary ingredient, of course, is milk, our first food, our first food and our only food for the first several weeks and months out of our lives. And we're growing faster, smarter. We're more beautiful a lot more popular uh, than, than when we start mixing in fruits and vegetables that's when things start to go wrong
1: <laughs> what help but so do you think people <laughs> do you think <laughs> it's a little
2: risky you know <laughs>
1: I think fruits and vegetables are very risky. They're a very <laughs> risky business. Uh, I marginalize them in my diet and my life as much as I possibly can. I tend to replace them, we know, with alcohol
2: and cheese. Yes, uh, they go hand in hand, those <laughs> two, yeah, actually. That's right. <laughs> that
1: might shorten my life, but it's uh, exponentially, you know, well, see, I used to be a, quality.
2: A, I used to be an alcohol guy. Uh, that was. Uh, I used to be a wine expert. I worked as maitre d'e, sommelier, and uh, various uh, those types of jobs in uh, restaurants and hotels and caterers and all that and um i I, th- I thought I knew a little bit about wine, but I learned a lot more when I used cheese as a platform. I also thought that I might extend my lifespan a little bit by incorporating a little cheese into my diet to balance out the wine soak it up soak it up exactly
1: <laughs> when but so you you've written i mean like i said I, i've I've interviewed um you know this summer i've interviewed cheesemongers and cheesemakers, but you're a different kind of cheese guy you know i mean you're you're an educator um I w- I've always wanted to ask you that would would you ever consider you know just doing it opening up Max's you know Max's cheese shop or uh, just-
2: something like that I I think that uh, knowing how difficult it is uh, to make a go of it as you well know it's like uh, the margins in, in the cheese business are very tight yeah you know, it's just yeah so uh, not that I'm afraid of low margins or tight margins it's just that I think that. Um, uh, given my background and the way I like to uh, in a cheese shop, you can do a lot, yes, but there are challenges, uh, not just economic challenges uh, there 's a lot of competition, especially right here in greater New York uh, in my neighborhood neighborhood alone and here in brooklyn it's uh, we have like three cheese shops within a six block radius and um, of my house and um, and they they do pretty well uh, but uh, i i i believe that what I can do uh, or what I enjoy doing mostly is teaching. And and uh, and I and a cheese shop doesn't really afford that opportunity unless it has its own little classroom in back. Uh, some shops have something like that. Uh, but I I like to do it on a little bit bigger scale and a uh, broader scale. Uh, for example, I just came back from a couple of fundraisers, one at Tanglewood, the Tanglewood uh, Wine and Food Classic, and uh, I was invited to do uh, a seminar there. and um, And the hook is cheese and wine you know if you just say cheese a cheese seminar you you, you might get a couple of people no, you gotta
1: get people lubricated at the
2: right end of a right bit. right and then the other one that i did was uh, for uh, raising monies for charities in central indiana mickey's camp and um even though it doesn't pay it an honorarium uh, those kinds of things are uh, i think uh, important and um i meet people and hopefully uh, it will help to uh, to help me make a go of it with my uh, with my new my new company uh, which is uh, Max yeah,
1: your new company is just called Max. Well,
2: I tried to get that uh, that name, but it was already taken, so I had to settle for Max <laughs> you like,
1: I was going to say, are you like Max seventy five <laughs> or like Max one hundred and seventy five or whatever? Uh, like when I lost my first email address, they yeah. uh, they made me do that. Now I'm like GWB one thousand
2: fifty four. Yeah. um,
1: it's interesting that you mentioned, uh, you know, right in the top of the program that uh, you were with our Artisanal for a long period of time uh, because mm. I actually worked with you there. That's right. Um, I wanted right. to get your opinions on 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 artisanal because uh, and for those of you don't who don 't know uh, artisanal was a place that I feel was a little bit ahead of its time, especially the the uh, the cheese center um, mm-hmm. which was actually designed specifically to take advantage of your talents i felt um, it was a an yours aging, too well
2: and, and daphne 's and many others too yeah, it,
1: we- it was i mean it was a far reaching project uh, there I believe those were some of the those were some of the first uh, maturing caves that I had heard of.
2: Um, first of their kind in the U.S. Yeah, you know, I mean of that type. That is, uh, types of caves where cheese were brought in from producers, uh, preferably on a young, on the young side, where we could cure them. By the way, uh, uh, you're exceptional at this, Greg. I mean, it's, I have not seen anyone that can make cheeses happier in a cave <laughs> than you. I make cheeses
1: happier than I make people. Uh, definitely. I'll give you that. But yeah. thank
2: you. Yeah, cheeses are a little bit easier. Well,
1: oh, I, I remember. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they can't talk back. Um, um, they also uh, they drink less. Um, <laughs> although they do drink sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. They well, suck I, it up. So we... When we worked there, um, I remember beginning with so much, with so much promise, and uh, you know, and uh, you, oh, you are always as you have been uh, since I've known you. You've been at the forefront of, of of education. What's your takeaway from from artisanal, like good and bad? You know.
2: Well, it was a great platform for me I, I, that 's uh, before artisanal it was uh, the artisanal bistro before artisanal bistro it was picholine and Pichelin was where i uh, uh, the first cheese cave in a restaurant in North America. I called it my office, and yeah. so that was uh, I think that was the start of uh, something big and it was something uh, very challenging but fun and exciting for me and all the facets um, the cheese include, all the different studies uh, made it a lifelong study for me. So uh, advance forward uh, from Picholine, the Artisanal Bistro, the Artisanal Cheese Center, the Artisanal Cheese Center gave me this big classroom that could seat 50 people. Exactly. Nice number. And uh, so uh, I was able to uh, uh, teach a master series there. Uh, which uh, many people uh, went through, people we both know and uh, that helped them uh, get into the industry as as retailers, sometimes cheese makers or restaurateurs that would have a cheese program and uh, so uh, people just wanted to change careers. I tried to talk them out of it (laughs) But uh, the uh, Artisanal Cheese Center did give me – I was able to uh, continue writing. I uh, had already written my first book, started on my second book, finished it at the Artisanal Cheese Center, started on my third book. Those were with uh, David Gibbons, right? With David Gibbons, exactly. He's now uh, the uh, cheese writer for The Wine Spectator, by the way. Fantastic. And we may be collaborating on another book pretty soon, Uh, but – I have to find time to write the thing. Uh, in the meantime, I'm writing for the Cheese Connoisseur and Culture Magazine and uh, Deli Business from time to time. But uh, the, uh, the Artisanal Cheese Center, like you say, I think it was a little bit ahead of its time. And, uh, and it, was, it was a little bit ahead, but it was also kind of behind in some ways. How so? Well, because uh, uh, there were already some other players that were doing online cheese business before we even opened the doors at Artisanal in 2003. We had uh, we we checked out to see what other people were doing, fromage dot com. I think was one of them, and uh, some of the cheese makers around the country were doing online cheese business in two thousand three. Can you imagine that? That was yeah, before that was,
1: Google. It was uh, that was a ways back, and I do remember the all of the disconnect between. Uh, the cheese caves and getting the cheese caves and just um, what artisanal taught me uh, working at the cheese center taught me at the restaurant. Working at the restaurant, imagining that taught me that I never wanted to work at another restaurant ever again, uh, yeah. which I never have. Uh, not because I disliked artisanal bistro, uh, the feel of it, uh, just the energy and the feel of it was amazing to me. It was like a three-ring circus in there back yep. in 2003, mm-hmm. and um, we had some great customers, and I had a lot of fun working there. But that was a lifestyle that, for me, wasn't sustainable for many reasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember uh, just the logistics, the nuts and bolts of getting cheese from the cheese caves and into boxes and sending them out across the country. It seemed to me like was something that was just wasn't considered there. You know and uh, or not that it wasn't considered, but um like anything you do first, you know you you get to make all the mistakes
2: right so, right but but it was interesting to see those packages going out to these little towns that you'd never heard of somewhere in the midwest. I love people that. are getting their little collection of cheese the months from artisanal and cheese that they'd never seen you know they would never crossed the mississippi absolutely and it was uh, that was cool and i think this is part of what helped grow the appreciation here in the united states because we did have the exposure uh we did have the uh, the recognition because the artisanal bistro became very famous absolutely as, as a and it still is and pichelin before it and so um and then the books and uh then my my tour of duty with uh, uh, Disney World, uh, which is still going on. Talk to me of, about that. Yeah, every year since 1997, I've been the Maitre for the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. I think that's
1: pretty awesome, actually.
2: And uh, <laughs> so uh, it was so popular the first year, 1997. Yeah, uh, they thought we're going to have a little cheese and wine seminar with Max McCallen and uh, Picheline This is for the bistro. And uh, so um, I said, "Well, how many? How many seats?" Uh, and they said, "Well, we have got a hundred, but we can take a few more." And I said you might want if you have room for more you might want to do a full 150 plates there was a line of people out the door completely around this building people <laughs> wanting to get in so they decided to do it not just one uh one weekend but to, to do it every weekend at the festival they even added a weekend this year for the first time uh and uh, so there are seven uh sessions that i'm uh i'm planning them uh, i'm not doing all of them i have a couple other people that will be uh representing cheese on a couple other weeks
1: you got to have minions in this world max you got to have minions you, can, you know it's 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 there's too much to do and there's, and there's too much too much to many do. avenues to reach people now yep, yep, i think yep. that's one of the interesting things because you are an educator and uh, you have more you just have more uh, ways to reach people now than you did maybe back then uh would you agree
2: uh yeah yeah it's uh it's uh it's it's here uh it's today it's uh it's in these uh and any time that even you know even if it doesn't pay i think it's important to uh is to uh what i call spread the curd yeah yeah
1: i mean i for me i i took over this summer uh hosting the show from for, for Anne. right uh, and i uh,
2: saw last weekend by the way
1: yes and yeah. uh which we we want to we want to see her again soon. I miss Anne, and like I didn't. I think for myself, I didn't realize entirely and how important that was to step outside of uh, say a cheese counter, uh, which I believe for me educating people is always just putting things in their mouths and making them let the eat cheese
2: it. speak for itself. I agree.
1: But there's like you said, there's so many people and there's so much information out there now that it becomes disinformation after a time if you don't hit all of the, the mediums you know, right. with the correct information. Exactly. Uh, and uh, so your new company, is that going to – are you going to focus so. on that?
2: I hope so. We have a new venue uh, we found in Chelsea, and uh, it's a beautiful uh, gallery with a home above it, and um, there is a space to do uh, – like uh, the most popular class that I ever taught was a cheese and wine 101. I'm not going to call it that, but it's not going to be a class so much as an event. I want it to be uh, a little less uh, pedantic, uh, not so you know, not so not sitting in front of a you know classroom situation. I want it to be a little uh, entertaining. Uh, infotainment is is what I envision. I think that the experience is what uh, people would like, and also a uh, superior quality of uh, of wines than what i've uh, used in the past
1: that's the thing too uh, as as i've uh, i've been lucky enough to teach them courses um, to yep. people uh i think it's um you always you, it is a class but i don't i don't sell it to them that way i always tell them it's a tasting uh, mm-hmm. because then they uh, some people uh, like myself have uh Less than fond memories of school. So when I <laughs> when I think of a of a classroom setting, I always think of like somebody yelling yelling at me for kind of screwing off.
2: I'm going to do some yelling during my master <laughs> uh, the uh, the uh, the two day course that um, uh, I'm putting on the calendar. Hopefully, uh, within a week, uh, this is something that we'll have um, we'll have a. Uh, It'll be a two day class condensing everything, all the facets of cheese, into a couple of days with an optional side trip to a dairy nearby.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. People love field trips. So when you say you're going to teach people, I will be yelling at people, I will be testing them. Right. What, what does that entail? You're going to teach them the cheese making process all the way up to uh, what, um, how they should put it in their mouths?
2: Seasonality, uh, the aesthetics, uh, regulations, uh, updates and regulations, which are always, uh, you know. Especially the these days. Yeah, with the Food Safety Modernization Act, we have to be on our toes. And so uh, if someone's considering uh, going into the cheese business uh, from any angle, I'm going to try to cover it and uh, hopefully help prepare people for any cheese exam they may have in their future.
1: Yeah, we want to talk about that. We're going to have to take a short break here on Cutting the Curd, uh, but we're here with Max McCallman, cheese enthusiast, and uh, we'll be right back. Thanks so much.
2: Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets.
1: Welcome back. We're here with Max McCallman on this, our final episode of the summer here in 2014. Um, right before the break, uh, Max made mention of uh, possible exams in the future mm-hmm. uh, that people may have to take to prove their cheese medal as professionals.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that's the Cheese Certified, uh, certified Cheese Professional Exam. Uh, as
2: endorsed by the American Cheese Society. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And um, you are the proctor of that exam, are you not?
2: I'm the uh, chair of the committee. Uh, cool. I'm one of the founders of the effort, and uh, one of the early uh, uh, members of the effort uh, was Daphne. Uh, Daphne, she, she was a member of our committee too. And uh, so I have one more year as chairman, and then uh, then I may do something else. But uh, I I think that it's it's on onto a good track. We had 220, I think, plus people sit for the exam in Sacramento, and uh, at least two thirds of them passed. That's something. fantastic.
1: Yeah. I, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, the you know uh, the and one of your earlier appearances, uh, right before Raleigh, which I believe was the initial exam, um, you had spoken of it. So is that going the way that you want it to go? Do you think it's making a really a big impact?
2: Huge, huge. I think it's helping the industry. There will be long-term benefits coming out of this because... Whether people pass or not, uh, they're studying for it. And uh, so it's it's a lot of young geeks out there that, yeah, n- that want to <laughs> l- know this stuff. And uh, they're becoming uh, more erudite about uh, all these different angles of cheese, uh, like why it's important and what's in it and how it's made. And because, you know, behind the counter, uh, sometimes I like to walk into a cheese shop just to see what they're saying.
1: Yeah, of course.
2: And it's, sometimes it's 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 uh, I, I'd have to bite my tongue, you know, because some of the information that's given out, especially with regard to safety, uh, raw milk, uh, you know, the what do you hear? Well, like uh, it's okay to eat raw milk cheese. Uh, don't worry about it, or you know, it's or I, this. It's okay, but isn't it? Well, it is, but but uh, it's more okay than. Pasteurized cheese, in my yeah. opinion, right. those are the ones that go south faster. Those uh, those compromised milk cheeses. But <laughs> but I I think it's not um, it's not a cheesemonger's uh, uh, it's not not something that a cheesemonger should be saying. You know, you, you're not the obstetrician. You know, you can you, you that's can, what
1: I always tell people behind right. the counters that I'm not a doctor. Right. Um, but by the same token, you know, this is interesting because there's. There's no set way, I've found, in all the counters that I've worked at, to address the customers, you know? So I think that people should just give out as little information as possible and just make the sale.
2: On that topic?
1: On any topic, unless, you know, you, you've got cheeses. Right, they right. have signage, generally, yeah, prices yeah. per pound. You've right. got to know the origin of the milk, whether or not the milk has been pasteurized, you know what I mean. Right, right. You should know roughly how old the cheese is, right. um, and you should be able to give a description of the flavor profiles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that should—that's a standard that should be in any service industry. Do You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't walk into a bar and ask a, a bartender they've got ten beers on tap and have them say, you know, you know, what is this, what does this beer taste like? You mm-hmm. know, and they'd say, ah, "Shit, I don't know. I don't drink
2: beer." You know? Well, you know, but to that point, it's uh, the Socratic method uh, is what got me started at Pichelin years ago. People would say, well, how does this compare to a saint Marcelin?" Right. And, and uh, I'd never had a real one, so I couldn't really say. And this person was well-traveled. They'd been to Provence, and they knew what they were talking about, and so it behooved me to become a little more expert about it. And so – Asking questions like that, which you get at a counter, too, people say, well, is this less fattening than this cheese or something? You know, it's all that that sort of stuff. And so I think that's why the CCP uh, endeavor uh, is valuable, because for the cheesemaker, which is what the ACS is mostly for and about, the cheesemaker should be uh, have a level of comfort. uh, Selling the product to the cheese mom To the CCP, you know, the one that's been uh, that's shown that uh, he or she has some mastery of uh, the product.
1: And you're teaching all three levels. You're teaching the cheese. You get you get cheese makers coming to you. You get cheese coming to you, and customers coming to you. That's, and
2: enthusiasts, yeah.
1: That's far reaching. That's pretty awesome. Um, so, like I said earlier, I, I talked to um, I talked to cheese mongers, cheese makers. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're a restaurant guy, and uh, I
2: often wondered it's in my blood, yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it is. Um, it's. And the access, the restaurant access, is so much different than the retail. The retail access, right. uh, your interface with the products, your interface with the customers, much more. You see more that involved.
2: immediate, uh, you know, feedback and you do gratification. And even more. I mean, even if you just, if you give a sample out at a retail environment, that's one thing. But to the context to down, is different, right? Right, completely different, right? Um,
1: but you know, so you, you, you ran this like you know the 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 flagship. Cheese uh, cart in America in picheline definitely, and uh, a place that inspired a whole ton of other people to try the same thing and shed light, of maybe, on some older folks who had been throwing the cheese plate out there at the end of the meal, you know, in French restaurants around America. So, you know, you see all of these uh, new cheesemongers, new cheesemakers. Uh, more people at the ACS, more people taking the CCP. So, what's up with the with the restaurant cheese cart? Where's that at right now?
2: Well, I, I wish it was a little bit farther along. And you see little places here and there uh, where it's uh, where it's happening, but uh, it should be more, I think. And I, I, I it's it's not a trend. Uh, cheese is not a trend. I mean, the upward growth in per capita consumption here is 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 it's it's. Very impressive. We have a long way to go to get to the top ten consumers, uh, but uh, we're on our way. And I think the restaurant is is a good vehicle for doing that. But I think that a lot of tours are afraid of it. Why so? I think they think that they look at it as um, it's not going to make uh, the margins that they can make on uh, creme brulee.
1: But it sells more booze, though, which exactly.
2: is the point. And when we, opened, when we launched our cheese program at Pichelin in, uh, in late 1994, uh, before the cheese service, the check average was $85. Six months after we launched the cheese program, the check average was 135
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's,
2: that's going to make everybody happy. Exactly. And so part of that, only a fraction of that is the cheese. Uh, the bigger percentage is the booze. But another reason why the check average went up it was because of the uh, appreciation. So the restaurant was able to raise their prices across the board because the cheese it became a cheese destination if you wanted to go there you had to pay and so you know
1: i like that idea i mean i i've worked at places where margins are extremely high but it's the quality that you're paying for
2: right um, by the way you don't take margins to the bank and no just, or percentages or percentages Yeah, you know, i
1: learned that lesson from uh from giorgio de luca and my mike when i first managed good for days, him
2: you know good for him
1: um and uh
2: but some people are so stuck on those percentages that uh, that the business is doomed to failure because that's not what it's. you take money to the bank. You take cash to the bank, be it you know a margin of thirty percent or seventy percent.
1: I mean, I, I mean, I, I wish you know, like like you said, so you wish that the. The cheese card or the restaurant cheese scene was uh, was moved yeah. a little forward. Why do you think it's bogged down? You said people are they're uh, afraid of it. The restaurant is afraid of it.
2: I think that uh, sometimes, for example, at uh, Pichelin, one concern was if the people sit for a cheese course, they might tie up a table uh, for an right, extra twenty minutes because the cheese is something you, you have. You linger dessert, over it a little bit, yeah, at least. But I remember this one occasion where I saw a party of four they were having a, they wanted a little bit of cheese, and we had people waiting for the table. It was uh, during those high flying times in the late 1990s, and so
1: those were high flying times. They
2: were, and so the <laughs> uh, the party said, "We just like a little bit of cheese." And I'm thinking, "Oh well, okay." Here's fifteen dollars worth of cheese, three cheese for you to share. Maybe we'll be out and in less than 20 minutes, so we can turn the table and make some more money. Uh, for the restaurant, and uh, so uh, then the host says, "So what would you pair with this plate of cheese?" And I said, "Looks like Chateau de Chem to me." Uh-huh. And for four hundred ninety five dollars, you can keep that table for an extra twenty minutes. So <laughs> fifteen dollars cool. for the cheese and four ninety five for the for the booze.
1: That's pretty sweet. I I, I always um, when we when I worked at Artisanal, they were they were always concerned about the turn. But Artisanal yeah. had a different a different uh, method of selling cheese plates. They yeah. you had some people who would ask for. Um, I was loosely in control when I ran the when right. I ran the bistro counter, uh, but I would get these crazy people who wanted twenty cheese plate arrangements. You know what I mean, and uh, yeah. and they were there for basically another
2: whole meal at the end. Uh, that thought, brings up the other point, and that's the cost of labor because to yeah. do that, you you don't just make, create you know twenty plates of cheese, you know, just on the get go. It's it's something that takes time. It's time consuming. So the cost of uh, the labor of running a cheese program. I think it's justified ultimately, but it's a little hard to swallow And you just look at uh, just the labor and the cost of the cheese. So. I always
1: thought, too, that it was hard for people in the restaurant industry to take proper care of the cheese. Like in the kitchen, I, I thought it got banged around a
2: little bit. and It was delicate. definitely in the kitchen. Yeah, and I think that someone should own the cheese, course. Well,
1: well there's, my, there's a question I wanted to ask you. Do you think that in the future, um, in your new incarnation, that you would ever be willing to – do a, a CCP or a, or a restaurant program to teach those guys. Well, how that's to take what care? I.
2: Yeah, that's part of that's a that's a good part of what I'm offering in this uh, in this new uh, mastering cheese uh, class. Uh, it is a class. That's 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 uh, that is a more academic, and there is definitely the consideration not only for the restaurant uh, course service uh, background, uh, but also for um, uh, for someone approaching it from another angle.
1: But is it – do you see the cause and effect, you know? Do you know what I mean? The physical cause and effect of storing cheese and handling cheese a certain way is something that I've always felt that um, – well,
2: There are many ways you can make, make sure that that's manageable. How so? Well, uh, the selection of cheese to begin with. Uh, and another thing is I... Choosing uh, sturdy cheese. Sturdy cheese is helpful, but I also recommend that with buying cheese that you buy less, but you buy often, as you probably have to. You yeah. don't buy your cheese you're going to have for two weeks from today. You don't stock up. This is not that kind of experience. Instead, you buy what you're going to... Like the way you buy fish. And uh, one of our friends, Jason Donnelly, that's one of his his lines, too. It's like, you know, buy what you're going to have. And,
1: and, and, it, and it actually it changes uh, a culture in uh, the restaurant industry. I mean, but you know, chefs. I, I deal with some chefs. They come to the counter at Italy or pastry chefs. Mostly are the people that I find that are handling the cheese course. Um, but and I get right very of few cold of storage. them. Yeah, and, and then but or they just don't get around to coming to see you um, as yeah. much as they can. Right. So I always thought it would be interesting to create a program um, for restaurants. Well, that somehow to pull them in to to, to force oh. them to come to the retail counter. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, and you know, I mean, people would say, "Oh, obviously, that's just called a wholesale discount." But mm-hmm. I don't really think I don't I don't think they care um, care for the discount, or I don't think the discount it trumps the fact that they don't right. have the time to come and get it done. You right. know? Um well, as a as a final question, you know, um, you I wanted to ask you. You know, I, I said I had Andy Hatch on, and you mm-hmm. talked about uh Purchasing uh, the the Uplands uh, da- dairy and uh, mm-hmm. Charlotte came in on and uh, she's growing the, the Bedford Cheese Shop mm-hmm. um, and then cheesemakers as well and you um you mentioned that you were gonna you were gonna not rebrand yourself because you're you're an iconic brand you're the Max you're a Max brand but what uh, what would you offer as advice or for your, to yourself or to others for people who wanted to grow their brand as a cheese professional.
2: Uh, hire me, <laughs> uh, or hire hire uh, because it's not just me. It's uh, there are quite a few players that uh, that that I am involving because I I don't know it all and I don't have all these talents. But I do know a lot of people. I have a big rolodex, so to speak. And I think that what I can do is help people uh, make decisions, uh, help them uh, develop their business plans. And strategize with them, and then help them uh, help them make a success out of it. People want my job, uh, but it's not for sale. That's pretty. Uh, awesome. I do have. Uh, I can offer a lot of insights and help, but uh, but I, I don't know. It's this is a unique position. It's hard uh, that I have here in the industry. It's it's something that I enjoy, uh, and uh, I've I've had a lot of fun with it. And uh, it is work, but uh, I love every day of it.
1: Of course, you do. It sounds like you are. Back on the on the pioneering trail, which is kind of
2: where yeah. you've always been. Yeah, you asked about artisanal. One of the things uh, it was, a, I felt like I was not able to uh, uh, be as creative uh, in the last few years with artisanal as I was at the beginning when I helped develop the mission statement. And um, one of the problems with artisanal is that uh, the original uh, blueprint for the artisanal cheese center where we worked, you and I worked. I thought there was a lot of room for offices, but not nearly enough room for cheese.
1: As a person who worked there, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs>
2: the production area was just, it was like a walk-in closet compared to all this, these spacious offices all around the perimeter. And it was supposed to be about cheese, but instead it was about offices.
1: Well, I'm sure that your new endeavor will be all about cheese. Um, if people wanted to get in touch with you, find out more about what you got going on, how would they go about doing that?
2: I'd say the first thing is just—I uh, uh, mean, if you want to email info at max uh or you can uh, just visit the website. And the website's—it's uh, been—it's uh, been up for a few weeks, and uh, we're still tweaking it, but it's uh, looking pretty good. A lot of information there.
1: Got the new website,
2: and or read my articles too.
1: Hey, you have a couple of uh, things you mentioned. You said you just wrote an article for Cheese Connoisseur.
2: Uh, yeah, I've, I've written several articles for them over the past uh, couple of years, actually, and um, I have one on 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 the wooden board issue. Uh, and I think it was very fair uh, on the wooden board issue. Oh, by the way, ACS, I'm sure you mentioned the uh, FDA paid us a visit. Absolutely. That was, that what did you think
1: one. about that, actually? I, was I thought wondering. it was great.
2: It looks like, I, you know, not that I fully trust them, but I felt like it was a collaborative uh, effort in the making. And so it, it looks positive. I
1: think that something that people forget is that these people aren't going away. You know? Oh, yeah. So I, run into, I ran into people at the ACS, and I run into people who want to rail against the FDA as an evil body. But it's, it's like... Kind of tough, tough, you know, shit for you because they're not going anywhere. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So you either adapt mm-hmm. uh, or not, you right. know. And um, I, when I, what I took away from that, uh, was not was not so much that the FDA is this like heinous, crazy, evil thing. It's just more like these are people who don't know exactly what it is they're legislating against all the time.
2: And this is this the ACS is doing a very good job of trying to be. Uh, vigilant and also being uh, proactive and uh, I think instead of putting up a fight they know better and um, it's 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 a, it's a s- smartly run organization I think the CCP program is is going to help with this collaboration because when an inspector comes around uh, you better not have anything to hide obviously and what you're trying to do is show that you know what you're talking about and you can show that you're using you have a good HACCP program plan and all that.
1: As a, as a person who's been through hundreds of board of health inspections as a retailer, aren't they fun? Uh, the thing is, and my, and my father was a board of health inspector for 30 oh, really? years. So, um, I know, I know what's about If you're, if you're clean and you're diligent about your practices, you are going to, you're going to come off well with the inspectors. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If, if you, uh, People operate, I think, a lot more on common sense than they're given credit for. If you have an, if you walk in and, you're, and your, your cheese-making area isn't clean, mm-hmm. then they're going to start looking into it. But if everything looks in order and it is clean, mm-hmm. I feel like you just will get less hassle. And a lot of those times, inspectors are done on a state level. You don't have the head of the FDA coming to inspect your plant right. on a regular basis. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And I feel like a lot of those things are also about personal relationships yep. because a lot of inspectors that I dealt with didn't know – didn't know what the, the what the cheese was about, but after I conversed with them and they saw that I was conscientious in keeping my area clean, mm-hmm. they were a lot more willing to work with
2: me. Yeah, And it's also good. It is good, uh, not just clean, but it's also good to have documentation. Now, they yeah. like to see records. They like to see a lot of paper. Which is it's, probably
1: why I'm not a cheesemaker, because yeah. I don't write anything down. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. <laughs> well, Max, I I just wanted to say... Thanks so much uh, for coming on today. Thanks, Greg.
2: Thanks for inviting me.
1: Um, you uh, you got the the anchor position. Um, and um, thanks for listening to another episode of Cutting the Curd. Especially thanks to Jack Inslee, the engineer, the maestro, thanks, the uh, unseen protector of Cutting the Curd and all the shows here. Um, so you guys tune in uh, for new episodes in a couple of weeks. We'll be back with more. Take care.